the Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, who is? You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. And in your face from our studios in undisclosed locations throughout the Bay Area. This is In The Click, microphone alchemist Bimbo Jimbo, alongside my tag team partner, man with a super immune system, Patient Zero, Baby Huey. Hello and welcome again, everybody. We're still alive, pal. Well, first off, thank you, Jimbo, for acknowledging how I'm very much like Superman. I have a super immune system. But real quick, I, I think it's very fitting we start off today's episode with a moment of silence in remembrance of Vanguard One. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> we should, man. We're not, that we're was not, a tragic moment this week. We're, we're, we're definitely, definitely not doing that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but welcome back to In the Click. Uh, we have, we besides the death of Vanguard One from AEW this week, uh, we do have a lot of uh, a lot of things to talk about. There's there's some pretty big news that that happened uh, since we last got to you, and we're and we're gonna start right there with 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 the biggest uh, announcement of the week. Uh, it came to us courtesy of Monday Night Raw. And, you know, we we on this, you know, our last episode, we're talking about why Becky Lynch wasn't at Money in the Bank defending her championship and that she had sort of been, you know, a little, taking a little bit of a backseat and everything like that. Well, uh, we got our answers as to why that was on Monday Night Raw right off the top. Uh, the man came out and brought out Asuka, uh, announced to Asuka that, you know, the Money in the Bank ladder match for the women wasn't for a shot at the championship, but rather the Raw Women's Championship itself. And so that made Asuka the champion. And the reason being, as you all know listening to this, Becky Lynch is going to be a mom. Becky Lynch announced that she was pregnant. Uh, what was your reaction, Baby Huey? I was shocked. I First off, I thought it was one of the best segments in Raw for Raw in a very long time. And uh, I was actually watching live. I was actually I was able to catch the East Coast feed uh, and I was watching on my phone in my room. And it, it just the whole thing just seemed odd when she came out to the ring and she didn't have the title around her waist. Instead, she was carrying the briefcase. I was like, huh, what's going on here? And. Yeah, just coming off, uh, we recorded the day before, and we were questioning where's Becky kind of been, other than like her one promo post WrestleMania. She's kind of been really been active. I mean, I get it; they've been building to Money in the Bank match, but it's like, yeah, the Raw Women's Champion has not been really seen, and uh, so I was just anxious to see what was going to happen in that opening segment, and we got the answer. And uh, yeah, I was kind of blown away. 
you and I were talking later that night, and there were rumors earlier in the day, um, but I did not see any of that. So I legit was shocked and surprised watching it in real time with the announcement coming out. So congrats to her and uh, Seth Rollins. Yeah, so it is so funny that uh, given the nature of, of pro wrestling and Seth Rollins' current character right now is that it's it's almost like Becky Lynch is just having this baby by herself. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it is it is so the polar opposite of what it was when they were trying to shoehorn their relationship down our throats. Uh, you yeah. know, that they're dating and you know, Michael Cole couldn't get out of his own way to tell us enough that uh, Seth Rollins and the man were, were an item. And so, you know, flash forward now to this announcement – it, it, it's they barely even referenced the fact that it was with Seth Rollins, uh, so you know I thought that I thought that was just kind of a funny sort of um, just diametrically opposed uh, sort of approaches uh, to their relationship. Now um, I, I of course it, right off the top, you know, congratulations are in order for Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. Uh, it's that's awesome. Uh, you know, terrific news for them, and I'm sure that they they will be uh, you know, hopefully you know, very good parents. Uh, and what you know, what little window we've had into you know who they are as actual people, they do seem pretty rock solid. So yeah. uh, I'm I'm uh, hope hopeful for them. Big time congratulations. Uh, I unfortunately did see some of the chatter online going into okay. it. I think it was late Sunday night. I was just, you know, cruising around, and uh, I think coming from, like, a, I think somebody on a Reddit thread or something like that had sort of spoiled uh, the the surprise that, you know, Becky Lynch was going to be announcing that she is pregnant. And once I read that, I said, like, well, that makes a lot of sense as to exactly why uh, she hasn't, you know, obviously been wrestling and everything like that. Um I did not foresee, you know, I thought it was a nice touch that they had the championship in the briefcase. Like that yeah. that that was that was very cool, a very cool way of doing it, you know, teasing the fact that it was in there all along. Whether it was or not, we'll never know, but it was just a very cool sort of reveal on Monday Night Raw. Uh but, you know, even with having it sort of minorly spoiled, still very surprised, you know, as as we said, congratulations are in order. And this show, and it's nobody's business when somebody decides to have a child or start a family or anything like that. That is, that is, that is not for, for us to say on a person-to-person level to anybody. Uh, mm. But we're here to talk about pro wrestling and, and okay. how this impacts professional wrestling. And just being 100% real, it, while me, the person being happy for Becky Lynch... Uh, me, the wrestling fan, couldn't help but think a little bit about how this would affect WWE and, and pro wrestling in general moving forward. I mean, because mm-hmm. we're looking at, you know, Becky Lynch is going to be, her career is forever going to be altered, you know, you know mm-hmm. now that she's becoming a mother. And obviously she won't be the first, you know, mother to, to get in the ring for WWE and stuff like that should, you know, she decide to come back. But I guess what it rose up in me was, does she want to come back? Will she want to come back? She might want to come back right now, and then after she you know, has her kid, might decide that, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, and we were already... It's, it's funny how this happened, because we were talking about recently as well the fact that she is being lured uh, by Hollywood now, too. And, and I lamented that, you know, I would hate to lose full-time Becky Lynch so early into sort of this meteoric rise that she has taken. And then this announcement happened and I'm just thinking, I'm like, man, uh, 
you know, she's going to have a kid, so she's going to be gone for, you know, at least the nine months plus, you know, however long uh, after that that she's going to want to take to, you know, get back in ring shape and everything like that and, and, you know, obviously be there for the kid and then also being lured away from Hollywood. It just got me, it just got me thinking that, you know, that, that we could have very well seen the end of Becky Lynch as a full-time uh, pro wrestler. And yeah. that's, that's a, that's a big, big blow uh, to pro wrestling in general, certainly to WWE. And it's not like, you know, Seth, uh, the, the father, again, bearing the lead, <laughs> Seth Rollins is a full-time pro wrestler as well. It's a very difficult profession. Uh, it, it's, there's a lot of demands on your time and travel and everything like that. I don't know if you can have uh, two, you know, pro wrestlers in their prime be new parents, and it, I don't know if that's a reasonable expectation to to negotiate necessarily. You know, when Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella had a kid, you know, Daniel Bryan was was not a full time wrestler at that point; he'd been forced to retire. And then now, you know, flip it on its head, Brie is retired and stuff like that. So it's like there was not really a point where they were both on the road all year long raising a young child. So it, it, I, I just, I think that this is forever going to, you know, I, I just don't know what the future holds for Becky's career as a full-time performer. Yeah. There's a, uh, definitely a lot to break down in this, within this announcement. And yeah, I think the big thing, as you just brought up is yeah, just the future landscape of her career, the women's division, WWE as a whole, it's really going to be interesting just how this plays out. And so um, just from like, yeah, the career path, as you mentioned, yeah, I, I think the way that segment played out, if that was the end of Becky's career, I thought it was a beautiful way as far as, you know, passing the torch to Oscar saying goodbye, just emotionally expressing how much all this means to her, the performance center, all that. And just even walking up the ramp and to the camera one last time, I'm going to miss you guys. Like all that played nicely if that is like a little nice little bow on wrapping up the man's career. But yeah, we don't know how it's all going to play out. We can speculate for the sake of this conversation. So theoretically, I mean, who knows? Maybe as you said, yeah, she can have the kid and doesn't want to be a, a wrestler anymore. Or who knows? Maybe those other opportunities in Hollywood and whatnot are still there. And we look at the, you know, the pandemic, I think everything's on hold. So Maybe those opportunities that rumor she was going to be interested in could be there in 2021, theoretically, after the kid is born. So those opportunities still could exist that she can explore uh, after giving birth and whatnot. So we can wait and see. But let's say she does want to wrestle. Yeah, it could very much just be a part time thing. And I, I mean, I guess having some Becky Lynch is better than none at all. So of course, I mean, yeah, look at the, the silver lining there. But the okay, let, let, let's kind of fantasy book. It could be okay. They they say she I think was a People magazine. Uh, the timing of this, you know, she had the pregnancy test in April, found out she was pregnant. Uh, so the kid supposedly is going to be due in December. I I, and, I, yeah, I worked I, I worked that math out already. Uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> a, as a December baby, good on you, yeah. Becky Lynch. Give it, the world needs more Sagittariuses, so I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for that. And I'm fully willing to share my birthday with, with the, the impending uh, baby man, as, as it were. <laughs> baby man. Well, I, I was just going to say, so, and then I don't know how long 
maternity leave is in the wrestling world i i know ha! like it, it, well but, but 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 i'm just saying like hypothetically you know most workplaces is what three months so you know let's say she gives birth in december and then like well next three months so she could theoretically still do something at next year's wrestlemania maybe she I mean, could it, what what i would what i would think is more likely i guess, I guess maybe more storybook uh, okay. Yeah, theoretically, she could do something in next year's WrestleMania. I don't think she's going to want to, uh, and I don't blame her. Uh, you know, I mean, it is, it is the show of shows, and maybe she will want to be there, you know, when they're they're back with a live crowd again and stuff like that and do something cool. L.A., man. Yeah, it will be L.A., which she obviously, she uh, you know, she's re- relocated down there anyway. Um, so that that's definitely a possibility, and, and maybe not even doing it in, in terms of having a match. I certainly would love that. In in my head, the more storybook way, it's a longer layoff. But she doesn't okay. come back until the Royal Rumble after that WrestleMania, and 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 at that point, I would love a dominant heel. Ronda Rousey is the champion, and Becky okay. Lynch shows up to win the Royal Rumble again, and we finally get Ronda and Becky one on one at WrestleMania, uh, like we so richly deserved, and they can and they can uh, put a capper on on that feud, as it were. So that okay. that's that's sort of what that's sort of my fantasy booking in terms of what I have going on. But you, but your scenario is is definitely very realistic because it's WrestleMania, and obviously yeah. it's it is what the marquee is all about and WrestleMania moments and all that jazz. So that's de- that's definitely a realistic scenario. I just I feel like it might still be cutting it a little too close to yeah. to her having the kid. Okay, so you're saying all this what you just played out. This will all be in 2022. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that and that makes more sense. Obviously, a full year as being a mom, let the her being off the road for a full year with a child to raise it. You know, in that first impressionable, important year of the kid's life. But yeah, I mean, I know some people online were speculating, oh, she could totally, you know, give birth this December, twenty twenty, and then make an appearance at the Royal Rumble, January twenty twenty one, and it's not a chance. I know. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's way too soon. Like she just given birth. And then like three weeks later is, is like a, a surprise uh, entrant in the world that, that, that cannot happen. Like you need time to heal and just be there for your kid. Like this is your first child. You only had that first kid once. And it's such an important, important part of their uh, development and livelihood. So yeah, I, I could totally see our buddy, Mike Holler said, maybe she can easily, Maybe come out next year's WrestleMania with the kid and just wave to the crowd. Like you something very simple. Like yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. She could show up. She could even she could even do a run in and and like help and help somebody. I I don't know to set up a potential thing or even just to, again to have that sort of farewell moment. And, and I'm not yeah. saying that her career is, is done. Again, as we're speculating on what a return would look like, I'm just saying that no matter what happens. Things are, mm. are changed forever, obviously, for both Seth and Becky Lynch. Uh, you yeah, know, I mean, this yeah. is they're starting a family together. They're 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 about to be married. They're gonna, you know start this family. Uh, it's it's that's life changing stuff in a in a very good way. And you know, yeah. as you know, as people that talk wrestling, we can only just sort of speculate in terms of how it will impact uh, their careers and the the business at large. Uh, so, but it would, I mean. Just stunning announcement. I mean, she really is. Like as I as I tell people that maybe have faded away from wrestling or anything like that, yeah. she became the biggest thing in the whole industry, and mm. it's 
if if this is it for her, I mean, she should be commended for that because she she broke a lot of ground. Uh, she gave some really just terrific, entertaining uh, performances, and you know she she deserves a lot of praise. Uh, even if even if her career ended uh, on Monday Night Raw this week, you know she's no doubt about it a, a Hall of Famer. Well, okay, let me just ask you real quick. Uh, we haven't had time to really talk about this, but just what do you think of that that whole segment overall? As far as do, how much you think Oscar knew going into that, and and I'm saying that in reference to like for example, most recently Roman Reigns when he announced he had leukemia or it came back, and when he walked up the ramp. Uh, Dean Ambrose, aka John Moxley, and Seth Rollins came out and were crying and hugged him. Apparently, they were told you need to stand in grill position. Roman's gonna have, have an announcement, and I need you guys to go out there and you know console him, hug him. They didn't have no idea what the announcement was. Now, pl- jump ahead to this past week. Do you think how much Oscar knew, or I, I there were some reports of what you know how much was known and not known, but just from your perspective, did you do you think Oscar knew a lot or? A new part of it. I, th- I think I, she. I, I think theories. she. She. I think she knew she was getting the championship. Okay. Uh, I. I don't know if she knew that that Becky was going to announce being pregnant. Her reaction. I mean, Oscar's been killing it. You know, just uh, in general with her reactions and just and just everything. The person that if it's on TV, it's wrestling in me thinks that she knew. Uh, yeah. But part part of me think. But I kind of go back and forth. I don't think it's really important because I think. Yeah. yeah. I, I. I think that Oscar gave a great heartfelt reaction, whether she knew ahead of time or not. And I thought the segment as it was, was, was fantastic. It was a great heartfelt moment. The hug shared between Becky and Oscar will be mm-hmm. one of those well-remembered moments from Monday night raw. The person in me that, you know, you know, in terms of, you know, like Roman's announcement and wanting to keep raw, raw, Part of me tends towards to think that maybe, yeah, maybe she didn't know. Maybe that was maybe in in an, in an era that is so scripted and is PG, uh, the only the only bullets really left in your gun is the element of surprise. So yes. you know, maybe she didn't know. What 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 is your what is your theory? Okay, because I, I, I apparently like uh, rumor is that like Oscar knew that she had to go out there and get the she was going to get the title, but she didn't know that Becky had a follow-up announcement. So I think what, and you saw how it played out. She went out there, got the title, was all excited. Um, she's like that, like the briefcase is mine, mine, like really emphasizing the briefcase. And then when she opened up says for the title, she was excited, ran all around, celebrated all the way to the commentator's desk, but she came back. So I, cause I, it was like when that, for me watching, I was like, wait a sec, Becky has not explained why she's leaving. She said she had to go away for a while. So the fact that Oscar came back looks like okay, here we go. There's more to it. And then when she made the announcement that she's gonna be a mom, then Oscar like really just that seemed really genuine. Like as far as her just happy, gave her the hug. It was like Becky, Becky. So I, I, I there's two parts to that segment. So I, I, I think Oscar probably knew the first half, but didn't know the second half. And I'm sure they probably told her she's gonna make an announcement. By all means, react accordingly and show you know the raw emotions. I thought that was very cool, and I thought that was very genuine. Um, but then, uh, uh, just kind of reading online and stuff. So, the Money in the Bank match was filmed back in April, actually, like a month ago. Um, I think a week or two after WrestleMania aired, and I think at the time, none of them actually knew what the stakes were. They just filmed the money in the bank match. And I think it wasn't recently decided to 
okay, let's do this segment with making it official with the uh, briefcase having the championship at hand. So I think everyone competing did not know what was going to happen. I think that was a last minute decision. Um, but the thing I also want to ask you, Jimbo, was so just kind of reading a lot of the comments and stuff. And a lot of people were upset that Oscar was just handed championship and there wasn't like an actually like a tournament. To, why? why? To, she had a match for it. Yeah, and that's what I said too, or that's what I was thinking. It was like, no, I mean, the, the latter match was the match. I mean, I guess comparing it to like, you know, maybe like the Cruiserweight Championship or what we're they, seeing with they, they the, said the it was They said it was the most unique Money in the Bank ladder match of all time. <laughs> And it was the it, it, the uniqueness that kept on giving. It not only so, you know. I, I no, I had no issue with that. And okay, uh, I I think because Becky explained that the ladder match was was not in fact for the contract, but but for the championship. So I had no issue with that. I think in its uniqueness, this Money in the Bank will will stand out. Not just because the match was at the headquarters, but because it was actually for the championship itself mm-hmm. as a as a cool surprise. Uh, did you see CM Punk's comments about this whole thing as well? No, I did not. What did he What did he okay. say? Uh, real quick, he just said he thought it was a missed opportunity for a, a, a heel turn from Asuka as far as he thought it would have been badass if Asuka, in that moment, um, after she got the title, would have missed, blew the green mist in Becky's face <laughs> in the ring. Yeah, and, I don't, I don't uh, see, I don't see green mist being a a popular tactic to use in in today's world with, exactly. with coronavirus. Ger- with ger- yeah, with germs and stuff, and she's pregnant. You don't be spraying germs all over her. I mean, that's what I said too. I was like, come on, CM Punk. Like, I get it. That's like the Booker in him, the wrestler in him. Yeah, I mean, it would it would it would have worked. <laughs> I I, yeah. I I I would have bid on that for sure. <laughs> Uh, but but the timing, no. And that's the thing; they haven't really. She hasn't really been doing the green mist much lately, so I wonder if they're just well, kind of phasing that out. Yeah, I think that's because of because of the Rona uh, yeah, that, yeah, they, yeah, that yeah. they're doing that. And uh, I I, I kind of miss the green mist, but I get it. Uh, no, CM Punk, <laughs> CM Punk's right. Would have would have been a hell of a thing. Be a hell of a thing too if Becky was just lying and she churned heel over it too. But <laughs> <laughs> she just had like a, a fake baby, just like Terry <laughs> Runnels with D'Lo Brown. Uh, but. <laughs> Well, you know, be that as it may be. Is there a bigger heel in wrestling than Seth Rollins, by the way? <laughs> I mean, he ta- he he takes down the top star in wrestling without having to fire a shot. Well, one, but not on not on screen. Good lord. My goodness, Seth. Yeah, yeah, never turn that that man can never be a babyface again. Never. Unreal. All the memes about this have been hysterical. You know, if you look at it from a lightheartedness of it all, it just, you know, like, um, like, like how, uh, uh, well, I don't know if I get into it, but just, just some of the, the goofiness of how people are analyzing this whole situation. Very Dude, funny. It, it could not have been more perfect because Seth was sort of borderline catatonic. Uh, after you know losing to Drew McIntyre and then shaking his hand, so he just he was so disheveled and just looked so despondent and sad. And so for it to be on the the evening that your that your fiance announces that she's pregnant, it just it made everything so ripe for parody that you know he was like not happy when like when he realized that the condom broke or you didn't pull out. You know what? It's just it was it was too good uh it was just too good but yeah biggest heel in wrestling easily seth rollins not o- not only is he engaged 
to the object of so many wrestling fans' affections. You know, uh, he 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 knocks her up and takes her out of the damn business. Well, that's the thing. It was a uh, there was a meme. Uh, so Becky Lynch is the second second Irish person Seth Rollins taken out. First Finn Balor, now Becky Lynch. Man. Uh, it just it, the, the the jokes were were really yeah. funny, and I think one of my favorite comments, which I, I saw often repeated, was that you know the rumor was that Ronda Rousey left to go start a family, and Becky even beat Ronda at that. <laughs> so I was like, I know, I saw that too. I was like, wow, it's I just mean. Becky. Becky just beats Ronda at everything, which is which is great. Um, but you know they they uh, they started selling the mom shirt. On WWEshop.com already, which, Ooh. yeah, you know. <laughs> I admit something to you real quick. Um, Did you buy one? Uh, no, 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 no. But, okay, so there's a Walgreens uh, up the street from me that, you know, I go in, you know, maybe once a week or every other week getting whatever. Um, in the last few weeks, I've gone in there looking for toilet paper or other necessities in this pandemic. I go always Baby go Huey the hoarding, toy hoarding supplies, <laughs> selling them on the black market at an no. insane markup. So I go to the toy section and uh, I saw a Becky Lynch figure in there and I'm like, ah, I don't need it right now. And, it, you know, it's the one that says the man on the shirt and everything. I was like, oh, that's cool. It's like a, the most recent version of her, her gimmick. And, you know, like the last four times I've been in there the last few last month or two, I always just walk by. Now nah, just wait. I'll wait. I don't need it right now. That day when she said she was pregnant, <laughs> first thing I made a beeline to the toy section. I got and bought that figure because who knows if she'll be ever be back again. I mean, sad, strange little man you are, baby. <laughs> so I got the man action figure in my room now. So it's like I was like, because you don't know, she might not be a full time wrestler again, or, or who knows. But yeah, so they're selling the mom shirts already on WWShop.com. Yeah. Uh, I can only hope that when. Uh, when Caleb Braxton and I announced hashtag the baby bump, uh, that they will sell similar shirts on WWEshop.com as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. And when Caleb with your face on that, it, well, no, you know, just the usual bump logo, but you just add the baby bump to it. So you know, we don't we don't want to be too tacky, baby Huey, uh, or a silhouette but, of, but a, I, of a. But I look forward to that when my when my bay, Caleb Braxton and I can make that announcement. So I'm gonna shoot my shot. All right, mo- moving moving along from the man again, and and at the end of the day, congratulations are yeah. is is the first and foremost thing. Congratulations to Becky Lynch and and uh, I guess Seth Rollins as well. Uh, <laughs> damn dastardly heel. Uh, but I want I want to talk about another big announcement in the world of pro wrestling. This coming from AEW. This coming from the world of boxing. But Kid Dynamite is going to be going to the brand that presents Dynamite. Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet, of course, was a big, big part of the Attitude Era, you know, even though he was only around for, you know, a few weeks. But he is so indelibly etched into that lead-up to WrestleMania 14, was part of the main event with Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's coming back to wrestling, but this time with AEW, he's going to be presenting the TNT Championship at Double or Nothing and Mike's already been in the news talking about, you know, wanting to make a comeback or at least, you know, sort of this veiled allusions to that and posting, you know, workout videos and stuff. The 53-year-old Mike Tyson looks fantastic, by the way. Uh, yeah. But I, I'm excited for him to be dipping a toe back into pro wrestling. I think it's a really smart move by AEW to get him to do this and maybe 
get him to do more beyond this. I, I think I still believe that Mike Tyson is a box office draw. And so mm-hmm. I, I think it's really smart by them. And uh, I, I'm interested to see how it, how it all goes down. And look, I'd love just to see Mike Tyson in pro wrestling in general. I'm he, He's a lifelong fan. He knows a lot about pro wrestling. If you get him trained up, I don't doubt that he could be a successful uh, performer. What, what do you think about him showing up at AEW though? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have a spot for him as far as, you know, we all know he's the greatest ref of all time. So I think they could easily be, you know, as a ref. Wow, you, th- you think he's better than Muhammad Ali, huh? That's interesting. <laughs> wow. I'll talk to your brother Tommy about that. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, for him to come back, yeah, I mean, he's still a big name. Um, for him to do all this, I'm really shocked and uh, just on a more personal level. So we uh, at the station, we we talked to Mike Tyson a couple months ago. He was supposed to do his one man show up in Reno. So we had him on the show call in. And his big venture right now is selling marijuana in Las Vegas. And I thought he's making like a killing from that. So I'm really shocked that he wants to kind of explore some of these other ventures right now because I thought he's doing well. But kudos to him if he wants to get back out there and do some stuff. I mean, more power to him. But but yeah, I thought he was doing really well with you know the occasional acting gigs as well. And but selling weed was like his his new career path right now. And then the po- podcasting he does. Um, but for him to come back to AEW, I think that'd be awesome. I mean, that's be another little dig at maybe WWE that they got someone else from WWE's past coming over to AEW. But uh, I think it'd be really cool because last year at Double or Nothing, they had Bret Hart bring out the, the AEW title as far as revealing it. And then this year, Mike Tyson's going to come to Double or Nothing and present the winner with the TNT championship. So I, I'm I'm excited. Hopefully, he'll do a little something in the ring that could be kind of a fun segment to maybe lead to other events down the road. Yeah. I, I just, I just think it's a smart, a smart call to bring him in again. You know, it, it kind of writes itself, kid dynamite, AW dynamite, and you know, the TNT championship, all, all, all that stuff. That's it's good stuff. I was a little, I mean, I think it's a good coup for, for AEW to, to get him because I'm sure WWE would have been interested to have him involved again too. So, you know, mm-hmm. if I, and I, I wonder if there were talks going on or, or anything like that, but uh, we will see, and we'll talk a little bit more about Double or Nothing uh, in a few minutes here. But uh, I want to also discuss uh, Drew Gulak. There was a lot of a lot of you know news and shockwaves being sent throughout the the internet wrestling community that WWE had released Drew Gulak or parted ways and and and, and all and all this stuff. And uh, once again, the you know the the narrative of heartless WWE coming into play and how how could they do this during this time. Now, as details are shaking out, baby Huey, uh, is that the case? Uh, no, uh, I think, yeah, the initial announcement that he was released, like within the hour, they said Walked all that, that happened was his uh, contract expired. Yes. And and uh, they, they've been working on a deal negotiating, but unfortunately, they couldn't come to agreement yet. So the contract just expired. So it's still up in the air about his future. But uh he could easily resign with the company tomorrow. Who knows? So at the time of this recording, yeah, he could easily resign in uh, you know any day now. But who knows? I mean, who knows what he wants to do? Yeah, I mean, I was stunned when I when I first saw the news because it, it it looked like they had you know plans for him, uh, and yeah. he you know being involved with Daniel Bryan and uh, 
you know, real quick on that note, I hate how they call him Daniel Bryan's coach. It just doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> that he would be sort of exactly. coaching Daniel Bryan. I don't know why they don't, they are afraid of using the term like sparring partner or something that actually makes sense. But yeah. uh, that's a whole nother whole nother thing to discuss. But yeah, I, I was I was stunned because he was involved so heavily with Daniel Bryan, and then of course the actual news comes out that it's just his contract has expired. And that they're still negotiating. So, you know, hmm. this this could be a moot point by the time you're even listening to this. So uh I, I think I think it is a lesson in not wanting to overreact or react too quickly that the desire uh to be first as opposed to the desire to yeah. be right uh is even wreaks havoc in the in the world of professional wrestling as it does in other, you know, journalistic uh pursuits. Yeah. So that, that that's unfortunate and uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I was I was happy to see that they had to walk it back and that this is not uh, just another WWE is evil uh, narrative here because I, I don't believe in that narrative. <laughs> so um, <laughs> and so I, I won't stand for it, baby Huey. Um, but so I'm, I'm happy to hear that. And I, I certainly hope that Drew does sign on because I was ex- actually expecting a, a potential heel turn at the end of the uh, Intercontinental Championship title uh, match uh-huh. with him and Daniel Bryan. So we'll see. Uh, where that goes, but that was certainly a phenomenal matchup. Uh, The latest Undertaker, The Last Ride episode is out. We got two chapters down now, Uh, and it it is eerily sort of, you know, appropriate that WWE found the way, you know, I, I know what I said last week about wanting to wait until Undertaker was officially retired to really sort of bring the curtain down on what he had worked so hard to build up, which is keeping kayfabe around this mythical character for so long. But in watching The Last Dance, uh, which uh, is ending at the time of this recording, airing its aired its final episode, uh, it, it's just funny to me in watching both of those docuseries, uh, just how the, the similarities uh, in there. Very, very interesting. Uh, the, the, the timing of it all. And the, I, I don't know if WWE maybe had plans to release this later, but the reviews and the, the ratings for Last Dance have been so enormous. I wonder if they maybe moved up the timeline a little bit uh, mm. on that. However, the, I, I really uh, am enjoying the Last Ride series. I think this one lost its way a, a little bit in, in the middle, was maybe a little bit repetitive in certain areas. But uh-huh. uh, I, I think that the... Um, the overwhelming thing that I took from it was this was such a brilliant episode to see Vince McMahon's relationship with the undertaker really on full display and how much undertaker cares about him and vice versa. And, you know, it's a powerful thing when you see, uh, you know, very strong individuals on the verge of breaking down in tears and they, and they both, they both got to that point in this episode talking about one another and I remember watching the Andre the Giant uh, documentary from HBO and Vince McMahon breaking down and how much that struck me. Because to me, Vince McMahon is the ultimate alpha male ever. <laughs> you know, he, mm-hmm. he, yeah. he is the definition to me of a man's man kind of deal. You know, you don't get sick. You, you, the show must go on. You know, just the hardworking, like, as, as ruthless to, to, to achieve in all things victory. Uh, it, that's Vince McMahon to me. And so to see him so touched when talking about how much uh, The Undertaker meant to him was was very powerful. 
uh, other things from this episode that I, I, I think this, this episode made me reflect more fondly on Michelle McCool's career. Uh, like, she was another standout in this episode. She came off very well in this, uh, for the most part. Uh, there's one note I will get to. Uh, but what did you think of, uh, of this episode? Yeah, it, it definitely was, I think, kind of confirms what you and I were talking about last week, how I think initially the premise of this uh, documentary or the camera crew following him around was to document his last match or retirement match, which I think the plan was for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 33. But unfortunately, that was such a stinker, and he did not want to go out like that. And um, and that's something I was going to kind of bring up maybe later, but I could throw it out there real quick. Was he he lives this vicious life cycle, uh, vicious circle of of life where. If he does really well in a match, then he thinks he can keep going and do it again next year. If he has a stinker of a match, then he wants to go come back next year and prove everyone wrong again. So it's like no matter what, he's always going to come back depending his perspective of how particular match went. And uh, But I, I just will say this. Yeah, it, as far as it looked like initially, it was probably just documenting WrestleMania 33 in his last match with Roman Reigns. But unfortunately, that was so bad, he wants to redeem himself. And this whole episode, obviously, as it was called Redemption, it was just documenting kind of the comeback process and just getting a new hip surgery for a new hip. Incredible science behind that, by the way. Yeah. Like how initially that day after the surgery, he was walking better. He could already tell. Yeah, he was like pain free, which is just crazy. When we, when, so we, when just, we get to that point, baby, Huey, imagine how far along they'll be. So that's good. Yeah, yeah I know. Exactly. We'll be like, like full on like be robots. Fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. Cyborgs coming. <laughs> but I was just going to say also, so just uh, um, him analyzing, reflecting on WrestleMania 33 and just how mentally he wanted to uh, change that perspective. And real quick, before I forget, I think this whole thing, what's great about this whole docuseries and even with the last dance with, with Michael Jordan these two guys, Undertaker, Michael Jordan, for the sake of this conversation, you're able to, um, for them at least, kind of rewrite history or at least tell their story and, and how they want to be remembered. And this is something I talked about with coworkers at, at work as far as like what the last dance. This is Michael Jordan's opportunity at this point in his life to, if you want to call it rewriting history, but at least set the record straight on from his perspective how things played out during his years on the Bulls. Now with this documentary on the other tanker, because he's been so quiet, you know, so serious to kayfabe and keeping things private, he's now opening up and at least explaining from this documentary what's been going on in the last like three years of his career. So it's really interesting that he's finally kind of second setting the record straight of what's been going on. So anyway, but as far as the narrative, you know, it's about the surgery and then the comeback in the training and in his relationship with his wife and how she's just been helping him along the way. And Vince McMahon, that relationship. And, and then ultimately we saw like the, the latter part of the episode was just the, the match with John Cena that we were there at. So uh, we could touch on that in a second, but uh, it, it was all interesting stuff, but yeah, some of it did feel a little repetitive, um, but overall, yeah, the, the, the big takeaway I think was, yeah, the relationship with Vince McMahon. It, 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 start, it started really strong, and it, it, it ended incredibly strong as well. And I, the, the, <laughs> the, preview, the preview for next week had me, uh, I'm happy they're going there, but I'm also terrified that they're going there uh, with <laughs> the Saudi shows and everything like that. So I'm very, it was a very, very good tease. Uh, for the next episode. So, so far, 
uh, th- this uh, Last Ride documentary has, has been really good. And just this is a side note, basketball note, uh, not to quibble. Uh, huh. I don't think Michael Jordan has ever had anything to set straight about his career or where he stands in the history of of his sport. I like I just this to me the last dance and again apologies out there if you're not a sports fan. This to me it's it's not it's not rewriting history or retelling any history. It is just a reminder for at least for me how how I grew up as a basketball fan yeah. which was there was Michael Jordan and then there was everybody else, and it wasn't close. And, and like uh-huh. so, for, so for me, I, I don't, I don't think he's had anything to sort of explain. And it's been fun watching because it just it, it took me back to my childhood. It's like, yeah, dude, this guy, this guy was just a god on the basketball court. Uh, <laughs> the the Undertaker stuff, though, because you okay. you you hit on something with uh, sort of this vicious cycle that he finds himself in, it, and it feels like that's where we're going with this next episode uh, because, mm-hmm. y- you know, he wants to redeem himself. And I don't know, and I didn't get the sense, you know, going back to that match, I wasn't thrilled with that match. Yeah, like Undertaker looked like he was moving a lot better, obviously, and he didn't embarrass himself like he felt that he did. Uh, in his match with Roman Reigns, but it's not like they went out there and had a Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker WrestleMania 25 or 26 style match. It was mm-hmm. he squashed John Cena, so I mean it was <laughs> it was definitely a better sort of last impression if if that's what it was. But I didn't get the impression from Undertaker and watching it that he felt like okay, that's that's the match that I can that I can leave my career on. You, you, you know what I mean? And yeah. So I, I appreciated that aspect of it. And, and one little, uh, one other, a couple other little tidbits I, that sort of stood out to me that were very small. I liked just watching the dude getting his WrestleMania hat ready. And like, he's yeah. like, yep, this is the one. And he hands it off to Mark Carano. It's like, all right, let's go with the gear. Uh, <laughs> just little stuff like that uh, was, was a very cool window uh, into him and just I love the conversation with him and Roman after he had yeah. the match with John Cena where Undertaker was just like I'm sorry I didn't have it last year it just was it, it's it's such an int- just a really cool picture into the mindset of the Undertaker and the professionalism how seriously he takes it it's elevating a person who I already hold in very high esteem in terms of you know what he's done for the wrestling business well, I, I was just going to say uh, a couple things as well. It was like, one, it was cool kind of reliving WrestleMania uh, 34 in New Orleans because we were there. That was like our second WrestleMania. You and I got the cover and stuff. So it just brought back some cool memories because like it just not the geek out, but, you know, they say he showed up the night before and, you know, reminded me of what you and I were doing that night before um, we were watching. We were a takeover that night. So it's just kind of like you know as far as making a connection to us i was like oh yeah like probably when he was at the airport we were watching gargano and Ciampa go at it or something so just like for me it was just a nice little reminder and then watching that we saw that match in person and it, like let me ask you this the fact that it was like a squash match i mean we gotta look back look at that the story that they were trying to tell um you know cena kept calling him out calling him out and so undertaker comes out and just kicks the crap out of him like you know listen i still got it that's i think kind of the story they're telling but do you think that was kind of a favor from cena to undertaker as far as a squash match to kind of uh help undertaker 
get over how bad the year before match was like Cena, whoever the powers that be who, who booked the match was like, listen, let's have Cena get squashed by taker just to kind of remind people how much of a badass he is. And don't let last year's match with Roman set the tone. So like if anything, kudos to Cena for going through with that, just to kind of help reestablish the legend that is the undertaker. I, that was something I was kind of, that's how I kind of interpret the whole thing for that and then uh i mean the other thing too i just i really enjoyed like the brotherhood uh, just the whole the wrestling camaraderie just behind the scenes stuff watching them all interact with each other and just uh, it's like it's a really cool thing to see just like behind the scenes everyone kind of talking to each other and just being friendly and just it's all a good time like everyone's in gorilla position celebrating like i thought that was just really cool like i know it's breaking kayfabe so much and Everyone that you thought were enemies of each other were actually all hugging each other and smiling. You know, Sean and, and Taker hugging and t- Sean's ribbing him. They're like, do I have to come every year now to watch you? Or like, oh, just all that stuff. I, I got a kick out of that. I mean, I know it's breaking the fourth wall and kayfabe down, but at the end of the day, I still geek out because that just kind of reminds me why I love wrestling and just the, the business and that aspect. So, uh, yeah, again, that that sort of that look in is is always what, uh, attracts people. They want they want to feel like they're they're in on it, and and this very much so is giving you a a window to that. The one the one note uh, I want to say about Michelle McCool before we move on to the preview uh, mm-hmm. for next week's episode is <laughs> the fact that she attributes the as good as I once was. I'm not as good as I once was, but I was good once as I ever was to Undertaker. Well, that's Toby Keith's song "As Good as I Once Was" just uh. had me dying. I was like, "Are you serious right now?" Like, uh, so um, she's like, it's, "It's like Mark always says, you know, he was good once as he ever was." I'm like, "Come on, Michelle!" <laughs> like, well, give me okay. a break. Uh, well, real quick before we move on, I just want to say I thought it was pretty cool. Like, I guess for the sake of like keeping things private, as far as Taker kind of training to get back uh for for new orleans like he literally took over an old warehouse in austin texas that they sent a ring out there i mean you look at like edge in his documentary he had to go to pittsburgh i think or whatever to work out or do whatever and that's how rumors started leaking oh he's doing something for taker he was able to do it in his hometown and keep it secret that way and then ultimately like they filmed that video of him working out and he sent it to vince and it's like I'm, i'll see you in new orleans yeah and he and- ripped off toby keith there <laughs> but then, he does a little Toby Keith catchphrase, and, <laughs> and, and then he, but then he sent the video to Vince like during the Elimination Chamber pay per view that year. That was like the deadline to let him know if he was in or not. And then I guess Vince wrote back like, "F yeah, let's do this." And so it was just interesting that literally Cena and them they were all like on the fly creating that storyline real quick. The the quick, it was a quick buildup for that uh, WrestleMania that year, but it was all depending on Undertaker working out in that warehouse in Austin, Texas. So that was something I thought that was cool. And the, the one, one thing I do want to say is, as we, as we hit on the fact that this highlighted the relationship between he and Vince McMahon is the amount of trust the Undertaker hmm. had for Vince that he had his best interests at heart. And huh. that is going to be something that is going to be called into question uh, as we approach the season two finale of Dark Side of the Ring as they are revisiting the Owen Hart tragedy. They released a trailer uh, for the season finale. Uh, again, incredibly well-made documentaries. Uh, this one is going to uh, tear open a lot of old wounds, and there's going to be... Um, 
I feel like, unfortunately, the very negative uh, portion of the internet wrestling community is going to be knives out for Vince McMahon and the WWE trying to uh, fully blame them for Owen Hart's tragic, tragic passing all too young. And, you know, my heart goes out to to Martha and, and everything like that. And uh, she has every right to feel however she, you know, wants to feel. But there there is this portion and population of the wrestling community that I that I feel like is going to be very unfair in their criticisms of Vince specifically as we mm-hmm. move into the season finale, Dark Side of the Ring. So as we talk, I just wanted to highlight the fact that on the one hand here, we have this pantheon, this pillar of the wrestling world for so many years that has this love, respect, affection, and trust for uh, Vince McMahon. What's your sort of feeling going into the season two finale here? It's like you said, open up some old wounds. And from for me, as a fan perspective, you and I were talking before recording, you and I both watched that pay-per-view live. And I still remember clearly watching it. And I remember, you know, they were playing the, 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 you know, the, the, we call it the preview video setting up the match like what's going on between owen hart at the time and, and whoever he was facing um godfather i believe for the intercontinental championship of memory yeah serves. yeah he was uh, as the blue uh the blue blazer blue blazer yeah yeah so i remember that video package was playing and, and it was kind of dark and then they just cut to jim ross and jerry lawler and they both just look like saw ghosts or or they were just completely shocked and i remember clearly saying they're both like uh uh and they're trying to quickly on the fly think of what to say and they're trying to explain what what happened very vaguely yeah um all that like i remember sitting there like what's going on what happened and i I, and then they said it was an accident and i'm sure dark side will maybe have that footage that they can replay yeah, I remember that vividly too. Just God, as we're as we're talking about it, it sort of take me back to that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it was a tragedy, but yeah, I re- I remember vividly when Jerry was at the ring, and it just, I don't know how you felt about it, but you know, wh- when I what I would do for WWF pay per views at that time is, you know, it was the typical. It was a pizza party in the WWF pay per view and stuff like that. So I had friends over yeah. there watching it with me. And huh. not all of them bought in right away that it was real because, you know, we were younger, we're watching wrestling and they, you know, huh. they thought it's all a show and stuff like that. I, I, I felt immediately as like, dude, this is awful. Like th- yeah. this, something really, really bad happened. Um, Shocked and numb. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I remember vividly the night after the, the tribute to Owen and everything like that. Uh, so this is going to be a very, very sad Episode. I mean, the, the death of Owen Hart is one of just the all-time saddest things to, of course, ever happen to wrestling. Um, and I and I guess I just I, I reflect more on on how he positively impacted so many wrestlers' lives. And when mm-hmm. you and when you hear uh, people talk about him, it's always it's always so reverently. And you know, they they loved his his wit. Uh, you know how helpful he was, how much he loved his family, and and everything like that, and how much he loved wrestling. Yeah, and, well, and on a quick side note, I, I know Chris Jericho, I think it was released today or this weekend, uh, he actually did an interview on Talk is Jericho, his podcast with Martha Hart, so uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it and hear what they, they discuss, but I'm sure it's a preview for the episode and probably got some other things as well, so I, I, I'm like you as far as, uh, yeah, everything I watch or listen, you got to kind of keep an open mind, 
and I'm sure this episode is going to try to sensationalize the situation, the the incident, and definitely there, there's a narrative they're trying to tell there. And so definitely just try to keep in mind what happened. But um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping and I'm assuming jr is going to be on this episode because he's been on other episodes and he's not under contract with wwe so i i would assume he'll be on there so i would love to kind of get maybe an updated perspective or hear what he has to say about the incident because he was right there when it happened uh jerry lawler probably is not gonna be on the episode he's still under contract with wwe so i really want to hear from jim ross and like that's the thing it's happened what 21 years ago now so it's um it it, it for me as you said as fans we lived through it watching it and then it's kind of you know fell in the back background of our lives in the back of our heads for for two decades now so to kind of reopen that uh kind of get an updated perspective or telling of that incident i'm 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 interested on that front and so like i said just to hear jim ross's take about the whole thing and analyzing it and explaining it that's one thing i'm looking forward to so yeah it makes me wish that uh bruce pritchard was not back with wwe uh so so that he could be involved with this and maybe have a more balanced or i guess maybe not balanced but more the company's take on on things to to provide sort because i i do feel like and i think jr will uh, be maybe a little bit of the defender for for Vince and the, and the company here uh, a little bit because it was a, just an unfortunate tragedy. He uh, was during the Benoit episode, I thought. Yeah, like absolutely. Was, yeah, yeah. So I, I think so. Yeah. So I, I so I think he might he might fill that role again. Uh, but it's going to be an incredibly sad episode. Um, you know, there, there's just there's just no two ways about it. So. We will we will see uh, how how that episode shakes out, but yeah, season two, Dark Side of the Ring finale, yeah, and then we'll we'll see where where they go and what they're going to talk about in season three. But I I want to talk about AEW Double or Nothing because the next time we come to you, I believe will be post Double or Nothing. Uh, so let's 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 break down the the card uh, as it stands as of this recording. And you down uh, to watch it, Jimbo Live. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Okay, okay, good. Maintaining okay, cool. all social distancing, of course, but yes. <laughs> uh, so I actually think that the, the card is has shaped up really nicely. I mean, you've got the, yeah. the stadium stampede match with Matt Hardy and the Elite taking on the Inner Circle. Uh, by the way, one note on the Inner Circle. Les Sex Gods, I think, is a better name for the Inner Circle than the Inner Circle. I just feel like they should all be Les Sex Gods because uh, that, that's just a terrific name. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm excited for that. I don't know what that will be. Uh, we have private party versus best friends for the number one contendership to the tag team championships, uh, Britt Baker and Chris Statlander. And, uh, a a note on that. Uh, I thought the women's match from this episode of dynamite was the best women's match, uh, in AEW history. I really, I really, Really? I really enjoyed that match quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and I really think that, you know, they're going to position Statlander eventually as a as a challenger for uh, to Nyla Rose. Uh, and okay. speak of the devil, Nyla Rose is defending her championship against Hikaru Shida, who, in my estimation, should have been the first AEW Women's World Champion uh, instead of uh, Riho. But you know, <laughs> be that as it may, uh, the Casino Ladder Match for a future AEW World Championship shot that's that's going to be going down. John Moxley defending his championship against Brody Lee. MJF taking on Jungle Boy, and finally Cody uh, taking on Lance Archer for the inaugural AEW TNT champion to be crowned with 
Mike Tyson being there to present it, as we talked about earlier. That's that's a solid card, man. That's a good yeah. show. It's a shame that there won't be a crowd for it, but that that's a damn fine pay-per-view they got going there. Real quick, before I forget, so, okay, I know we've been saying AEW's been doing a better job of the, quote, no crowd uh, yes, uh, arena, arena shows. shows. Yes, and And, you know, they, they have, like, the good guys on one side and the heels on the other side. And they're making a lot of noise. Uh, do you think there might be more people outside somewhere outside? Because the, the place that they film at currently, it's next to Jacksonville Jaguars football stadium. So I don't know about you. I, I have no confirmation, but it just it sounds like a lot of commotion going on. So I wonder, do you think there might be fans outside knowing that they're filming, just making noise for the sake of it? Like, I'm just this is me just guessing, but it sounds like a lot of noise for like maybe what 15 20 wrestlers ringside like i wonder if there's more noise being created elsewhere i don't think like, that necessarily but whatever they're doing it's working it, they, yes. they're, they're empty arena shows they're just the presentation and stuff overall has just uh been very good and i think overall the best since they've had you know wrestling's had to go crowdless uh, yeah, more and energy, NXT, NXT's been NXT has been good too but yeah i th- like you said i think the energy and the the vibe in the building is just better with how they set it up. I, I just I think they I think overall they've done a really good job uh, with their shows. But you know, Double or Nothing uh, I think has shaped up to be you know I wish I wish there could be a crowd there because I think I think uh, you know it would be a hot crowd for this card. I love the you know I'm excited for the the inaugural TNT champion to be crowned. You know with Cody and Lance Archer, which that's been building so strongly. And while while we're talking about that. Uh, you know, Jake Roberts, you know, was the subject of sort of, I guess, some faux internet controversy. People were offended uh, by what he did to to Brandy Rhodes, and I, I just, I just didn't see it. Like, you know, I just saw a bunch of people online asking the question, "Were you offended by this?" and or should Jake Jake apologize or or whatever? And I, I, I didn't get it. I don't. I mean, I understand. Like he's a bad guy, and these are morality plays, and it, it just it just sort of to me spoke to some sort. And then you have people like complaining about how he how he literally was carrying the snake, and that you know Peta should be on his ass and stuff like that. I just I I don't know, man. Maybe I'm in the minority on this, and maybe I'm wrong. I didn't have a, I didn't have any issue with the with the Brandy thing, other than you know I, I think just you know. Maybe, it just doesn't seem like Jake's really got the moves anymore, if you know what I mean. But, uh, but uh, other than but that, I was offended by it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, we don't know, but who knows? Maybe it was Brandy's idea to begin with. She couldn't give it. She might have was one of, maybe the one to give the okay on this. Who knows? Like it's wrestling. It's like the powers that be behind the scenes who plan out the segment. Who we don't know for sure, right? One way or the other, it could have been Brandy. Be like, hey, like really. You know, I wonder. I, w- I wonder how much of the crossover, baby Huey, of the people clamoring for the days of the attitude. There's so many people that are like, oh, I wish it was still like the Attitude Era. Yeah. Though I don't know if it, it can't be the same people that are getting offended by this stuff because if you get offended by that, you would not last one episode of Monday Night Raw in the <laughs> oh, Attitude exactly. Era. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, some of the videos you and I, you know, send each other and like stuff from the Attitude Era, they would not fly today. Yeah, at and, all. and some of it for very good reason, but it was a different yes. time. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just, I just didn't see the outrage here with 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 Jake and Brandy. I, I and like you said, Brandy clearly she did it. She was okay with it. It's 
if she was not comfortable with it, uh, you know, she she's married to a guy that could easily nix it. She could nix it yeah. herself probably. So I just I just didn't see the need to. I feel like a lot of times people, and this is not just with wrestling, uh, the wrestling community, people in all walks of life right now go looking. Uh, for a reason to be outraged yeah. and offended, and I just I hate I hate seeing it creep into pro wrestling because look we're telling a morality play here, like this yeah. is this is good versus evil. Jake's a bad guy right now, and he did a bad thing, but I didn't think I didn't think it was over the line uh, or anything like that. Um, oh, and, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, and then on this week's episode of Dynamite, you saw Cody Rhodes furious and trying to go out there and defend his wife's honor. So, yeah. By the way, can like, we? <laughs> Yeah, don't, don't. Burr, 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 like ten feet of the car. My tying. God, exactly. Like what? <laughs> I was so excited for what he might do with that thing, and then it was just like, dink. <laughs> just, just knocked over a couple trash cans and a sign, and it was again ten feet. Like, what was the point of it? Like, how did they not think that through better? Uh, I mean, did, yeah, like maybe he didn't want to damage his new truck. I mean, it was a cool like, visual. Then, but then you don't like. You do just it. you just don't do it then yeah it was that was a, a rare miss and again I the heart was in the right place there but the execution was poor. Well, maybe they saw Becky Lynch's truck. They're like, we gotta get a truck too. Like, I, I I I and I like both of them. I I like yeah. the Bex Express and and I like the Cody Mobile. But uh, <laughs> I I just I just didn't I didn't like the the usage or the execution of it. But yeah, Cody was pissed and that and this is the story that they're telling. Yeah, so. and and that's the thing. This is all storytelling. Like, okay. What happened that scene played out in a movie? Like, we've seen plenty of movies, uh, revenge-type movies, you know, in recent years, where someone goes to defend their family. There's, like, a tragedy or something bad happened to their family, and then they go defend their honor. But that's done in a movie. No one complains about it. Maybe, you know, the violence or whatever. But the storytelling, and this segment was part of storytelling. Like, all parties agreed to do it, be a part of it, and and so it's just storytelling to set up a match like i think people are taking it a little too seriously and then you're right it's like people say oh i want the attitude error again i want things a little bit more risky well if, if they do stuff they try to bring it back they can't people are going to complain about it. you can never win in today's world today's social media world yeah anything that th- you could try to do one thing that's a little bit outside the box and you're going to get criticized from someone. But then if you stay too conservative or kind of like maybe go through the motions, do the same safe thing over and over, then you get criticized for that. Yeah, you're, you're, just... da- you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm excited for that, that tournament finale uh, with Cody and Lance Archer and the gyrating Jake Roberts, as it were. Uh, how about the stadium stampede match? Uh, Matt Hardy and the Elite taking on the inner circle, as as we mentioned. Uh, uh-huh. you, you alluded to at the start of this episode uh, that Chris Jericho took a baseball bat to uh, Vanguard One on this episode of Dynamite, uh, much to the sadness of all of all drones out there and Matt Hardy and everything like that. I'm excited for this though because you know we didn't get to talk about it because we were talking about Money in the Bank, but that yeah. that brawl that Blay Sex Gods had with with Kenny and uh, <laughs> and and Matt was was really good. Uh, it was yeah. a lot of fun to watch, and so this is gonna I just like be that turned up even another notch. So I'm I'm excited for this. I'm excited because one, okay, it's an empty arena. So they're going to take advantage of the whole environment that they're wrestling in. And as we saw that uh, last week's episode with the uh, uh, Kenny Omega, Matt Hardy versus um, uh, uh, Sammy Guevara and stuff, uh, 
as we saw after they won, they walked out into the or the football field where the Jaguars play, and the inner circle logo was on the big screen. So I assume that's where the match will carry over in there. So you have an empty arena. You might as well use the full uh, space around you to your advantage. Um, so I, I think it's a smart move. It's like, okay, how can we use our setting with no crowd here? Well, let's use this setting as part of the whole landscape to have the match take place in. So I think it's a smart thing to do. It's like, okay, well, we have no crowd to actually worry of to perform in front of. Let's go over here behind uh, the, 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 the setup that we have and go on the football field. And I'm sure they'll probably use maybe a goalpost and I don't know, maybe like a, a, a bench or something. I mean, you know what I mean? They, they hold the whole arena, the stadium to their disposal. So it's going to be pretty exciting, especially with 10 guys involved, five on five. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, and they got really creative previously. So I'm I'm looking forward to see uh, how much other creative things that they're going to do in that match. So, I mean, between that and then with Moxley taking on Brody Lee uh, for the championship, that's that's been an interesting buildup as well. So you know, along with the the casino ladder match, and then you've got a, another built out you know the undercard that we went over. I think uh, Double or Nothing has shaped up to be a fun watch. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we will we'll, we will certainly talk about that. Uh, probably our next episode will be uh, reacting to Double or Nothing, and that will be the the major crux of uh, of next week's episode. Uh, but I want I want to talk just quickly some highlights from Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and 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 the like. Um, you know, we've gone over here, so I don't want to go too in the weeds here. But Monday Night Raw, okay. uh, we already discussed Becky Lynch. You know what? The other thing that stood out to me about Monday Night Raw, baby Huey. What's that? Was the closing segment between Edge and Randy Orton uh, <laughs> and talking about, you know, how they're going to have a straight-up wrestling match. Powerful segment. Uh, and I and I liked it. And I'm, I'm looking forward. You know, I'm surprised that they're carrying on with the feud, to be honest with you. Uh, but, of course, I'm, I'm down for another match. However, the closing <laughs> statement of the show with Charlie being like, Well, gentlemen, if this does happen, it may just be the greatest wrestling match ever. What was that? That was awful. <laughs> I cringe. I wanted to jump out the window for her. That was awful. <laughs> why? Why, God, why? <laughs> Terrible. It's- uh yeah no honestly overall this episode i enjoyed it. i felt like there was a lot i w- it was like loosely a little bit of a reset i think it was just like seemed like an episode you would might be you might have would have seen like post wrestlemania i felt like they really introduced or reset a lot of different storylines so there was a lot of different segments and, and um uh mid carters tag teams women's division the main, main event like all pretty well represented um i I mean drew mcintyre still being strong uh the iconics coming back i thought that was great um even bobby lashley and mvp a new uh new faction building or kind of i wonder yeah sort of phasing out lana i wonder if that's what's going on that maybe she will be sort of going the way of leaving since rusev is gone now uh i i I don't know but that that sort of was an interesting development that i thought yeah, I mean, her screaming, though, was so damn annoying. But I, I know Lashley MVP had a stable in, in TNA, the Beatdown Clan or something like that. So yeah. um, they, they might try to bring that back. The basketball segment with the Viking Raiders and Street Profits. Holy I, balls. I, I know it was not that good. I, I, I still laughed 
But I, I, I kind of remind me of like the old segments in the late 80s or the 80s and 90s. You know, it's not up there with like Mr. Perfect or anything, but like those type of goofy segments outside nope. of the state arena. I that's how I interpret it. And I, I, I try to just enjoy it. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you 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 brought that up, baby, because I blocked it from my mind. <laughs> Uh, and so not only do we have to have a moment of silence uh, for Vanguard one, as you suggested, but let's have an actual moment of silence for the careers of the Viking Raiders. <laughs> R.I.P. between their carpool karaoke and this, they are dead. They're the Highlanders now. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, just yeah, very so and then stupid. So well, stupid. Be- before I forget real quick, uh, just Seth Rollins trying to take out. That was Raiders great. Eyeball. Yeah. That, great, great that, stuff. That was really good. Just Seth just looking catatonic. Again, just Seth, I know you're the biggest heel in wrestling, but thank you for the memes uh, <laughs> for sure. Uh, on SmackDown, I want, you know, they announced mm-hmm. that the Intercontinental Championship, the word of the week on SmackDown was what, baby Huey? Abeyance. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the title was being held in abeyance with Sami Zayn being unable to defend it. Uh, uh-huh. And so they stripped him of the championship. What, what do you just think about that move in general? Um, I mean, a little bit. I think it sucks for Sami Zayn because uh, rumor is that WWE told all their wrestlers, their superstars, because of the pandemic, if they just want to stay home, they have that option. It's okay. They won't lose their spot. They get buried or get any heat. But so Sami Zayn sounded like he took advantage of that opportunity and decided to stay home. And then what happens? He gets stripped of the IC title. So it does seem kind of petty a little bit. Um, but then again, you got to look at the, the uh, um, for example, NXT, the Cruiserweight champion. He can't make it. He's out in Ireland. So now they're having the NXT Cruiserweight uh, tournament on NXT. Um, I, I mean, I know the U.S. title when Andrade had uh, suspended for a month. They didn't take it off him. They just let him keep it. So I know there's that's one example of like, hey, that's unfair. Um, but here, here's the thing. Also, keep in mind, like Sami Zayn. He was showing up originally for these empty arena shows, and they were kind of giving him a lot of time. They gave him the title. They, him and the artist, uh, is it collective or collection? Collective. <laughs> uh, the artist collected. You know, basically, basically, uh, their, their stable is just any three people in Berkeley. Yes, I'm supposed to say. So, but but the three of them were getting some decent screen time on SmackDown. So you can look like like okay, here we'll give you guys, we'll give you a little bit of a push. And then all of a sudden, Sammy's like, nope, I'm out of here. So from I, I'm looking from like the uh, WWE's perspective, they could be a little bit upset. Be like, hey, we gave you a push. You did show for originally these set of tapings for the uh, uh, empty arena show. And then you j- disappear on us. So I could see why they might feel a little bit like, yeah, well, let's take the title off him. Yeah, I mean, that I, I, I'm bummed for Sami Zayn. You know, not being around to, you know, sort of continue on with that push as well. I, I'm not going to judge either side in this in terms yeah. of, like, WWE wanting to, you know, they're, look, they're, they're scrounging for, uh, you know, con- compelling week-to-week content. So, they don't have their Intercontinental Champion. Well, let's let's strip them of it and we'll we'll make a tournament, which maybe will get more viewers. You know, because ratings haven't been, haven't been, you know, Knocking people's socks off during this time, they so so they're the search- invites as well. Yeah, they're search so they're searching for they're searching for answers with that. So I don't really view them stripping Sami Zayn as sort of a referendum on his decision. I, I view it more just creatively. It's like, well, now we have an opportunity to do this, and and think about it when they do crown a new champion. 
uh, and Sami Zayn does feel comfortable coming back, then it's a built-in storyline. They could again, we've referenced it exactly. a few times. They could do the Shawn Michaels uh, Razor Ramon deal uh, again for that very championship. So it's Sami Zayn on social media has been looking like keeping in character, like sounding like he's pissed off. So yeah, th- and that's I, good. it could be a work. Yeah, that's a good thing. So I, I guess I just didn't jump to the conclusion that this is somehow a a punishment. For Sammy, for for Sammy Zane, is as much as it is just a a need to move forward in this situation and try and create uh, compelling pro wrestling on their program. Uh, that being said, I thought I thought the like the match between Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak was excellent, um, and I, I enjoyed Daniel Bryan's fired up promo after it. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought AJ Styles was on Raw though. <laughs> So him being in the tournament's a little suspect, and that and that brings us to this. The, you know, Charlotte Flair appeared on on SmackDown, even though she's the NXT Women's Champion, and this whole you know they they were promoting on Raw the brand to brand Invitational yeah. uh, is, is what they're now sort of bandying about, and this to me. So not only do we have to have R.I.P. Vanguard One. R.I.P. the career of the Viking Raiders in WWE, but R.I.P. brand split yet again. What are they doing? The optimist in me wants to believe that this is just out of necessity because of what's going on with the coronavirus, uh, but I'm just worried that this is going to kill the, the brand split, and that's something that if you want to do that, okay, fine, then do it, but I, I would rather have either a hard brand split or no brand split as opposed to these sort of, you know, sort of just like, arbitrary rules that they come up with to share talent and the, the what they have it said is that what superstars can appear up to four times a year on another brand yeah. but wait how long until that just goes out the window it's a slippery slope in my opinion i don't like well, it that, no sir well, i don't I, like it to quote mr horse from ren and stimpy but that's what happened that's what happened last time with the wildcard rules like yeah, which it was, only was three awful times. It was like three people only, and it turned to four, five, ten people. Look, I carry the water for Vince McMahon on like nobody's business, but the wild card rule was not a proof positive of Vince McMahon's genius and his brilliance, which he is. But him, I'm brilliant. The wild card rule, not his best moment, certainly not. And this is not either. Well, allegedly, also apparently, uh, um, like uh, both Fox and USA are upset with the ratings being down. And so they, I think both shows want more star power. So I think that's why they're trying to get more crossover appeal. But it's like, if that's the case, Baron Corbin's your first option, like your first opportunity for Raw is someone to get from SmackDown. It's like, come on. And then hey, Charlotte man, Flair. King, show a little respect. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my peasants, my ass, whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, but Charlotte, yeah, Charlotte's now bragging. She's like, she's missed three shows. Ugh. Uh, like, and I love Charlotte, but it's just like I'm I'm pro brand split. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's we'll see how this plays out. But yeah, this looks like it's going to be turned into a mess. And that's the thing. It's not so much like all these wrestlers need to appear on all these shows at the same time. It, it's like you take your respected roster from each show and you got to maybe do a better job of the storytelling of the creative. And I think there's a lot more to it. And the, these executives over at Fox and USA are just like, I just want this person on my show. Star power, star power. It's like, no, that's, that's like, don't listen to these executives tell you how to run your wrestling show. If that's the case. Well, what? I, yeah. I, don't know, I, I feel there's there's better way of handling this it's like okay you have each has 
a very deep roster for each show. You got there's better ways to use what you have instead of having to dip your toes into other shows to bring over crossover appeal. I don't know. I just it, it's I'm worried what's going to happen. I am too. Uh, and, and you know, as as I've said, you know, now to you know, it's probably a drinking game. How much I I want a hard brand split or no brand split at all. So uh, th- this to me was uh, again one of those things, just like the Viking Raider segment that I blocked out. I actually had completely blocked out this stupid idea for the the in- the brand to brand invitational uh, is just to me uh, a bad idea. I, I no yeah. sir, I don't like it. Uh, quick, real quick, <laughs> since we were running super long, what was your what was your one highlight from NXT this week? Uh, I, obviously Timothy Thatcher and yes. Matt Riddle. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, that, the whole thing. I mean, unfortunately, they dropped the tag titles to uh, the guys in Imperium, but then uh, have their match later on in the main event. I mean, just Timothy Thatcher just shows what you and I have been lucky enough to see here in Northern California. You know, he is from Sacramento, so his time in APW, just to see his uh, his wrestling skills being displayed on a larger platform, it, super it was, awesome. It was so cool to me that he is already main eventing NXT. He's involved mm-hmm. in a major storyline. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I was just, first of all, it was, a, it was a really, really good match. Uh, and I, I'm just blown away that he is already main eventing NXT. He's so happy for the guy and he's, he's delivering. And I think he's only going to continue to, uh, sort of keep on that rise in NXT. So I'm, I'm very, very excited for him. Lo- loved the main event. Loved that he was in it. Uh, it was very cool stuff. Uh, and then we didn't get to talk about it before, but Killer Cross and Scarlett Bordeaux, uh, they yeah. made their debuts, uh, and I'm 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 loving that. Love the presentation so far for them. So that's been that's been really really awesome. Uh, when we come yeah. to you next, we will be uh, we'll be talking about uh, you know double or nothing. We'll probably be talking some dark side of the ring and uh, that and so much more. But that is going to do it for us this week for Baby Huey. I'm Bimbo Jimbo, and remember, if you're not in the click. See ya. I wouldn't want to be ya. <laughs>